Okay, great. Today, um, I promise you, I, I, I won't take more than an hour. <laughs> hey, it's rainy on time, might as well. Um, this morning, we have here all the, the songs during the worship, and all have to do with one thing in specific, and it's what we celebrate. Um, well, we celebrate Christmas. Okay, so that one is not working. This one is not working? Okay, great. It's what the world celebrates Christmas. And it's the, the birth of Jesus. And today we're going to concentrate on Matthew chapter 2, but especially on the verses 10 and 11. The whole chapter, it's part of the visit of the wise kings to the Messiah. But especially the verses 10 and 11 of 2nd Matthew read. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened the treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And if we're going to add a title to today's message, will be, what gift do you bring to the king? What gift do you bring to the king? Now I ask you the question, what is more and what do you enjoy more? Giving or receiving? It's not bad wanting to receive, especially during this time. I mean, little kids are not the only ones that run in Christmas morning to see what is under the tree. We all became, become kids on Christmas morning. But maybe we enjoy more giving because we know what is to receive. Jesus himself said it. It is more blessed to give than, than to receive. And you can find it in Acts 20. Verse 35. And we, when we gift and someone really appreciates that gift, we ourselves are blessed. The smile and the person, when you give that gift, brings sunshine to your day no matter how cloudy or rainy it is. Our story today. It's about givers. Very simple. The story of Matthew 2 is part of the Christmas story of Matthew. Often we see the nativity, and we could see it in, in the back, we have a nativity scene, and we see Jesus, Joseph, Mary, the shepherds, 
and the three wise men. In the Hispanic culture, the three wise men, one of them is of dark skin. We even have name for them. We call them the Tassar, Gaspar, and Melchor. Melchor is the dark skinned one. We are not that wrong of thinking that one of them might be dark because they come from the East, from Persia, what is now um, um, Iran, Babylonian, which is now Iraq, and Syria. And if you see, that's part of the desert, so people um, were, who have made very pale skin, it's hard to tolerate <laughs> that heat and that sun. So for us, we said, okay, the three wise men. Now, scholar says, uh, the Bible doesn't say that there were three. It's just that they assumed there were three because there was three gifts that was given, but they did not say the amount of each gift. Now, when this three, these three wise men were uh, astrologers, they will read the stars. They were, um, it's, it's, it's what now uh, we call, you know, the 800 lie to me that they call and they want to see what the star says about the future. But this people and this people that study the stars, we have NASA. NASA are a very high pay astrologers. <laughs> they read the, the planet and, and the stars and, you know, they, they sending people to space. <clears throat> you know, more, more power to them. They, eventually they have to come back and, and put their feet on the earth again. So whatever, whatever they took when they were up, they're going to get it when they come down. So there's no difference. So these people, uh, when they were studying the stars, they noticed one day that there was a star brighter than anything. And they look in the books and they look in everything and they realize that that star was brightening because a king was born. And of course, they knew it was a Jewish king. So what they did, they took in our, <clears throat> in, 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 in our history, we put them in camels. But in reality, these people were traveled in horses. The camel was only to carry, they were like, like they do hold. That's what the camels was used at that time. The, the horses with the bus stands, where they will travel from one, one point A to point B. But in our society, we see them in camels. Remember, regardless if they were in camels or they were in um, horses, if they walked the whole 
many miles. The thing is that they went to find a king, the Jewish king. And of course, a king, they figure out, was born in a palace. So, being Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, they went to the palace in Jerusalem. But all surprise, we have a Mr. Herod. He was old, he was senile, and he was sick and paranoid. He sent to kill his family because he did not want anyone to go over or to, to point to his uh, way of ruling. For Herod, it was bow to him or you in love with, a, with our head. He was obligating people, even the Jews, although Herod was um, have to answer to the Roman Empire, but he was even making his own people slaves. So when the Vikings went, I'm sure that they went and, and when they told Herod, hey, you know, three wise men, or we call them the three kings, uh, three wise men said here, looking for a king that was born, I'm sure that Herod said, Hmm, maybe the sun had burned the brain a little bit. And they kind of senile. Because a senile person will see the others as senile as him. And when they came to her and says, we come to, uh, you know, to worship or, or to see or to, to know the new king. You know, he started crashing his head and says, new king, king of the Jews. Yes, we have seen the stars. We have seen the stars that is announcing his name or his birth. And Herod said, well, he's not here, but I'm going to tell you what. Go find out where he's at so I could also go and meet him. Yeah, right. This is what the, what the three wise men says. I says, sure, we will. We, when we find him, we will come back and tell you where he's at. I'm sure the heaven says, mm -hmm, there goes the king of the Jews. Wait until they come back. Now, these three wise men, and, and, and that's why we said, you know, in the nativity, we see the wise men together with the shepherds. But from the time they saw the start to when they went to where Jesus was, it didn't say that they found him in the manger. It says that they found him in a home. Which means that probably a year and a half, two years have passed. You know, uh, now you take a plane and you could be on the other side of the world within 12 hours, 15 hours. But before, probably two years, month. For them, I mean, they didn't saw the star and says, okay, let's go. They have to pack, they have to prepare. And then they went on the way. So they found him in a home 
with Mary. And this is why Herod, and, and that's why, uh, you know, the scholars believe that Jesus was around two years old because when the, the wise men did not return, and I'm just a little bit ahead of my story, when they didn't return to Herod, he sent to kill all the male kids two years and under. Because that way he, he figured out, somehow I'm going to get rid of this king. So, so he thought. And these three kings, or these three wise men, from three gifts. One was gold. This is the amount of gold. And when we think of gold, we think of royalty. We think of kings and queens and, and, and people of high society. So they brought gold to Christ. Christ, Jesus, was the final king of Israel. And he was not only, or he is not only the final king of Israel, he is the king of kings. He's our king. We are his subjects. We as his disciples live in the kingdom even now. That's why as Christians we're different from the other people. Because we live in the kingdom even now. He's our Lord and our ruler. We talk about accepting Jesus. When, when you came and accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you did it on your conversion. But we are to spend our lives submitting to Jesus as our Lord. Now, gold, if we translate in what we could bring to the king, not only shows that he's our king, it shows loyalty and obedience. Have you allowed Jesus to be the Lord in every area of your life? Have we allowed Jesus to be our Lord, to be our king in, ever, in every area of your life? I have news for you. If you have told Jesus, you know, this, I, you know, it's yours, but this I keep. This is mine. You're not bringing pure gold to the king. You're bringing the fake gold. And if a lot of people know, especially the ladies, when we put on full, uh, uh, fake gold, we suffer infections. Don't we? We do. So when you don't offer all areas of your life, you're not offering pure gold, you are at the risk of having an infectious disease that could cost your eternal life. That there's no, the only antidote for that disease is Jesus. Now, as a king, as I said, Herod 
forced his subjects to be loyal to him, to obedience. But Jesus does not force any one of us to obey him and to be loyal to him. It's our gift to him. We give because we have received. The next um, gift that they brought was frankincense. Um, in the in the Jews' uh, religion, they still use it as part of the worship. They light it up, and the smoke, and it's, and, and they don't use the 99 cents frankincense, okay? They use the very expensive and the very delicate one. This gift points to Jesus in two ways. First, it can point to Jesus' role as our high priest. Since incense was used and is still used by the Jews' priest as a, a way of um, in, uh, in the temple as a worship. Without saying anything, although um, they do recite one of the songs or sing one of the songs when they are balancing. The, the bowl of incense or uh, the whatever they, they put it in and they burn in it. Jesus is the only mediator before God for us. He's the only mediator. You cannot go to your mom. You go to your pastor and ask the pastor to, to pray for you or to pray uh, for us, but he has to go and pray to Jesus. For Jesus to be the mediator between you and God Almighty. <clears throat> Our response to Jesus' priesthood is faith. And it's not coincidence that the pastor and the missionaries were talking about trust and faith. You need to, to have faith. And your faith, you express it to prayer. And I'm going to put a simple sample. As kids, for Christmas, and I'm sure your kids have done it. I mean, since October, they receive catalogs and they see commercials and, and they see toys and, and they see that the only thing that toys uh, and nowadays have to do is go and work. Because every day they manufacture toys with more intelligence. When I was a kid, my biggest thing was I could ride the end. Or, or at all, that the plastic was so hard that if you knock someone, if you hit someone with that, you knock them out. <laughs> to some of you, maybe your biggest story was a 
a car made of wood, of, of, of that metal, that if you hit that little toy with that, that the little toe with that toy, oh Lord, you see even the archangels. But now, kids come to you and says, I want this. I want this for Christmas. I want this other toy for Christmas. And if you do what your kids ask, you're going to be working January to November to pay that bill. Because it's an expensive toy. But your kid, as kids, we used to trust our parents. Your kids trust in you that you will make their wish come true. As Christians and children of God, we trust God in our prayer. We put our faith and we trust that he will answer our prayer. No matter what our prayer are, we trust it. We trust that that prayer will be answered. And that's faith. But faith goes together with another thing. That this gift and it's worship. And I'm not talking just worship that you come to church on Sunday and you sing the songs and, and you lift your arms and you praise. We're supposed to be in a constant praise and worship because your worship attracts people. And we say, well, but I can't be singing all the time at work. You know, my, my, my co-workers and my boss going to think that I'm cuckoo. But with your example, with your way of carrying yourself, that's worship. That's what other people see, the way you worship. Because if you carry yourself as a Christian, you're worshiping God. And you're giving that gift of worship. There's a a saying that I always um, do, especially when the service is finishing. And I just ask God that my prayer is that our worship, our praise will rise as a beautiful and soft fragrance to his altar. And when you worship with that idea, your worship change. Your praise change. The third gift is myrrh. And this was kind of a ooh. You know when you have a baby shower and they put a list and you get but sometimes uh, your budget cannot afford any one of the gifts, and you decide to go probably to the dollar store. There's nothing wrong with the dollar store. I love the dollar store. You find exclusive, exclusive bargains that you don't find anywhere. But you go to and you, and you buy maybe, you know, this awkward gift. And myrrh was an awkward 
upward gift to bring to a child. Much a child keep. Because myrrh is used to embalm the dead body. But it shows that it was part of the purpose of that child being born. It was telling Mary, we know what Jesus came to this world. The wise men knew what Jesus came to this world. It was a gift that means sacrifice and service. Jesus was going to sacrifice his life in the cross for us. His service to humanity was like no other. So when we bring murdered to our king. We are giving our service and sacrifice. There's no, there's no service without sacrifice. When you are a pastor and in front of the church, sometimes you have to sacrifice time with your family to service your church. When you are a missionary, you have to sacrifice maybe moving from one side to the other, going to a, a country that neither you or your kids speak the language. But you understand that that sacrifice is part of your service. We are willingly to serve Christ as long as we don't have to sacrifice anything. Because sacrifice hurt. Or you think that when they were crucifying Jesus in the cross, it didn't hurt. It hurt. It hurt his mother. It hurt his disciples. It hurt him. Sacrifice hurt. But it's part of our gift to the king. What are we willing to sacrifice for Jesus. What are we willing to sacrifice in our service to Jesus? You have guests. People call it talent. Are you putting that to the service of Jesus? And maybe you say yes, as long as I don't have to sacrifice. And uh, Jennifer, you're going to excuse me that I'm going to use you as a sample. But here we have a great example. It's not easy waking up three kids, getting ready, and be here at 8 o'clock, 8.30 in the morning, every Sunday. But they do that sacrifice because it's part of the service to the church and to God. To bring us together to worship God. If she wouldn't enjoy it, I'm sure that she would not have thought her kids 
that Sunday morning you get up early, you get dressed because we have to be in church. A lot of us that grew up in church, and, and now we only have one service a day, and sometimes one service a week. When, um, when Reed was a kid, there was seven, um, and, and I, but Reed, because between Ann, me, and him, he's the youngest. By a few months, okay? Um, and I'm sure his parents wake him up Sunday, every Sunday, early, to go to Sunday school in the morning and then go back at night for the service. At least I grew up like that. Sammy grew up like that. A lot of us grew up like that. Um, I grew up in the Pentecostal church that there was an activity every single day of the week. Monday was choir practice. Tuesday it was the ladies meeting. And us kids and youth have to be there. Wednesday we have a radio station service. Thursday was the men's meeting. And of course we have to be there. Friday was the youth meeting. And Saturday in the morning, the worship group have to practice, and then we have to go and give tracts and go to the community and invite the community. Go home, get ready for Sunday morning, nine o'clock being in Sunday school, get out at 12, go home, do homework, do whatever, and be back at six. But we knew that that sacrifice was part of our service. I, I have to be very sincere. I don't have the energy to do that now, even thinking about it. I figure out, boy, I'm glad that it was when I was young. Because right now, I don't think I have the energy to even go three days in a row. But that's the way that we were installed that service is sacrifice. And for us, service, when we put our gift of service and sacrifice, we serve Christ through them, through the gifts of time and energy, and we give sacrificially ourselves when our service costs us. If it doesn't cost you, you're serving God halfway. And I'm not going to tell you, oh, but, you know, as a Christian, we should be happy. I'm telling you, it's a happy sacrifice. It's a sacrifice that brings you joy. It's a sacrifice that, because otherwise, the next day you wouldn't get up and go and do it again. It brings you joy. It brings you a satisfaction like no other. We serve Christ, when we serve others and sacrifice ourselves to give the gift of ourselves to those around us. That's when um, we offer God the gift of service and sacrifice. Now, what can I give him? Why can I, a human, that have all the problems uh, that the flesh in, in this body have, you know, uh, have that, that will have problems with the family or 
or with with the the the, the coworkers or our work or or the physically uh, the disease and and being sick. What can I give them? One Christmas hymn says, "In the bleak midwinter." That's the the title of the hymn. Now I'm not going to sing because otherwise we will need a boat to get out of here today. I'm just going to read you the words. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I will bring him a lamb. If I were a wise man, I will do my part. Yet, what can I give him? I can give him my heart. Maybe, as I said, we don't feel that we have much to give Jesus. Maybe we cannot put ourselves unable to imagine to give him something of value to him. He has given us without measure. He is King of Kings, Lord of Lord. He is the owner of the gold, the silver, and everything else. What can I bring to the King? Maybe we think like the little drummer boy. We all know that song. If I, if you don't know it, at least you know the rough upon pop. Come on, everybody knows that part of the choir, okay? And he says, "I have no gift to bring that's fit to give the king." Now, this three gifts that this man symbolically represent gift that you and I can bring to our Lord. But the most valuable gift that we could give to our Lord is ourselves. Your new self in Christ, it says that when we come to Christ, all things are made new. So when you come to Christ, there's a new you that you give to Christ. The most valuable gift we could give uh, is bring him is our obedience and our loyalty. Our trust, our faith and worship. Our service and sacrifice. We do all come before God with this gift. And all the songs that we sing, that we have heard during Christmas, speak of our poverty in his presence. One of the songs that they were singing today says, no man can stand before your throne. No one can stand in front of you because we come with empty hands. Everything we have, he has given us. So there's nothing that we could give God except ourselves and those gifts that I have mentioned. In the Eastern Orthodox, and uh, usually it's, it's done during uh, the, the, the Greek Orthodox Church, choose exactly the 6th of January is called Epiphany. 
We Puerto Ricans like to party. We call, we call it Three Kings Day, and we celebrate like there's no tomorrow. Puerto Rico has the longest Christmas. We start November 1st and end at the end of January. I used to work with a company that I had to be the liaison between Puerto Rico or the Hispanic speaking and the English. And I used to tell them, hey, listen, if you open a branch in Puerto Rico, I volunteer to go and work. Because they hardly work, they have more holidays than, anything, than anybody else. But the Greek Orthodox especially celebrates, and they go by a different calendar, the Epiphany, which is January 6th. And usually us as Christians, we, draw, we don't do attention to that feast day. Because with the exception of Pastor Reed, that is part week, we have no interest, apparently, to observe or to study or to look at that day. But it is the feast that celebrate what happened in our passage. It's called the Epiphany, as I say, it's the revelation of God to the Gentiles. Aha! Uh -huh. It was the kingdom of the Jews. But the shepherds were Jewish. They were in Jerusalem. But not the wise men. They were Gentiles. Even at this early age, God showed us through Jesus Christ that he came for everybody. That he wasn't only for the Jews, it was for us. <coughs> that remind us, that remind us that all people have access to God revelation in Christ. It is a message to everybody. The story of the wise men is the story of God revealing this himself to all humanity. They honored this king. They had sat with the only light they have that it was that star. They follow it. They follow that star. It might take them two years, but they got to where they go. And some versions said that when they got there, they rejoiced. They were full of joys. They were full of contentment because the journey has come to an end. Some scholar says that those three did represent their trades, what they used to do their job. Which means that if that's the case, they wrong what they have, what they use, in recognition that that was the savior of all. And given their life at that moment to Jesus, to the salvation he brought. This, this story of Matthew is to invite each of us to consider what we need to give Jesus. What gift are you willing to bring to him? 
willing to respond to God revealing Jesus and for all that he has given us what are we willing to give in return let's stand and let's sing together with our worship team the last song they sing and do it with your heart let's bring today in this moment at least an offering of worship Because there's no 